this day you've made it for us to rejoice and be glad in and we are glad we are definitely glad we are not sad today so we thank you lord for the honor and pleasure of serving you we love you lord thank you in jesus name amen amen and amen again amen so uh today we're going to talk about fasting when god says fast you fast amen and what it means when god <clears throat> tells us to fast there are so many examples of fasting in the bible uh we're going to talk about what it really means and we're going to talk about what god desires uh for us most people of course think about fasting as <clears throat> abstinence from food uh and it's not just abstinence from food only you see in the bible where it in in uh, in the new testament it even extends to sexual activity for married people uh the bible mentions that uh you're not to abstain from sex with one another except for short periods of fasting and prayer by mutual consent and so when a believing couple decides that they are going to go on a fast, that means to withdraw yourself from natural or physical extremes, pleasures, delights, that kind of thing. So fasting really is a time, the Bible says, to afflict your soul. Uh, when that means that emotionally, you're not in a very excited place or in a very driven place. Uh, it is to tone down your emotions, is to tone down your thought processes and bring you into a place of peace and humility before God. Fasting always humbles the soul. Celebration, it would be the opposite or or partying versus fasting and so if you you have a partying uh, mood or mentality upon you you really are indulging yourself so fasting really refers to afflicting your soul and denying yourself indulgence so during a fast you would uh if you look at one of the ones that people are all familiar with is Daniel who went on a fasting uh it says he ate no pleasant bread which meant he didn't delight himself in food he just ate to live or ate to stay alive you eat so that your body doesn't uh suffer your health doesn't deteriorate but you're not in that place where you're being driven by appetite. Uh, and, and so God wants us always to have temperance and moderation in all things. Uh, but, uh, food is one of those things that it seems kind of easy to cross over into and get into a place of extremes. It's, it's, it's a common thing for people, uh, to get into extremes of appetite. Uh, you find it in children, you find it in adults, you find it all over the place. And so in order to keep yourself under good self-control like Paul said I keep my body under I keep it under subjection to me at all times now that is not to say that you're the food police in your life I believe the Holy Spirit helps us with these things and I believe that we can ask his help when we are given to appetite so for instance if you're eating things that then you're putting on pounds you know it's a common thing that happens to people you can ask the Holy Spirit to help you so that 
that you're not beating yourself up all the time and saying, now look at you, pig, you shouldn't have eaten that. That's wrong. You know what I'm saying? That's always wrong to try and employ the devil's help to try to get good results. But you can ask the Holy Spirit to help you with these things and and do a sincere prayer about it, and he will help you. And so these are the things. But the the most important part about fasting is it has to be God-centered, God-honored, and God-driven. And so we need to find out what God expects out of of us when we fast. So in Isaiah 58, there's a, a, a description there. In fact, the whole chapter talks about the fast, the correct way to fast and the fast that God's chosen. Now you have to understand Isaiah was written in the Old Testament before Christ. When you get to the New Testament, there are some different different types of of ways to look at fasting but it appears that when God gave these instructions in Isaiah he was making a correction that would last for all time it was common in that day for people to not eat food which you know you can do that with your own power amen you don't need God's help to get away from all you got to do is look at them clothes that's too small in the closet and want to get back in them bad enough and problem solved. You got me. You get away from them burgers. I used to do it all the time. You know, I was usually younger. I tried to keep myself a certain size all the time. I did some modeling off and on, you know, that kind of stuff. And so when, when you want to go out and get a job or you feel like, oh, I, I'm going to do that again or whatever, you know what to do. You get rid of the salty foods. You get rid of the, all the fat, you get some carrots and get some stuff like that and go at it for about 10 days and you're right back in your smaller size again. And then when it's over, you get back up and eat again. Yeah, you know, it's called abuse, you know what I'm saying? But anyway, uh, but there are ways to do that. You see people who are not Christians go on hunger strikes. They don't have the Holy Spirit helping them. And they'll refuse to eat until uh, something happens. And that's the most errant form, I believe, of fasting. Because you're fasting to a God you don't know. And you're shooting for results you're not sure are going to come. Remember those men in, in the book of Acts who said they would not eat another meal until they killed Paul. And Paul was still alive 30 years later. Well, wonder where they are. So these are things that can easily be misunderstood, abused, etc. So God wants to give us a right understanding of what he means by a fast. And when he, God calls a fast, he means he wants us to not indulge in the world's practices. Anything that's self-indulgent, that speaks of the world, he does not want us doing those things. So this will put you in a totally different frame of mind from it and not be so focused on food. Because I'll tell you, when people, churches that will, you know, they have that, you know, like at New Year's or whenever, you know, they're not watch night or whatever, and and they want to stay up all night long and pray, and most of the people go to sleep about midnight or two in the morning, and the little faithful saints are left struggling to stay awake and all this kind of stuff. Uh, you know, the intentions are good, but the methods are a little off the wall. Because I think God wants us to live a continual life of self-denial. Why do I say that? Because Jesus said it. He said, if you're going to follow me, first deny yourself. Put yourself on hold. 
take up the cross, my cross, and follow me. So self-denial and Christianity are so locked in together. We're not here for ourselves. We've been bought with a price. You don't own you anymore. The best way to live in peace and to live in love and contentment is to put God first in everything you do. Consult him all the time. If he's not uh, approving of what you do, then you don't do it. How do we know if he approves? You can read your Bible. You get a good idea there and your conscience will tell you doing wrong. And so that's the wonderful thing about God. He helps to keep us on the straight and narrow. So Isaiah 58, it says, cry aloud, verse 1, cry aloud, spare not, lift up the voice like a trumpet and show my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sin. So God is showing people their error and they're making an error in fasting. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and forsook not the ordinance of their God. They ask me of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching to God. So he says the people, my people are approaching me like they've done no wrong. <laughs> you know, like they really are expecting me to come through for them and give them justice and give them all these kinds of things. And he says, where have, wherefore, and they, wherefore have we fasted, they say. So this is what, what their, their argument to God is, their complaint to God. It says, why are we fasting? That's what they're asking him. And you don't see it. Why have we afflicted our soul and you don't take knowledge of it? Behold, in the day of your fast you find pleasure and exact all your labor. So the Lord's telling them, you're fasting, but you're not afflicting anything. He said, you're doing what you want to do while you call yourself on a fast. And so this is the problem with fasting with most people. We don't get our instruction from God. We don't thoroughly understand what God expects from us during fasting and we don't care to we care to take that little idea that we have that we're doing so much for God by not having this thing uh, today but I'm gonna have it tomorrow you got me I mean that's pretty much how the human mind goes we we think about afflicting ourselves and letting go of something in the short term it's like, <laughs> you know, the old Catholics are, you know, what are you giving up for Lent? Well, I thought I'd give up, uh, Tootsie Rolls and then you think, no, I don't know if you can go that long without it. Oh, okay, I'll give up, um, chocolate. Then you wind up giving, giving up like goose liver. Something you don't ever eat. Or hard boiled eggs. We all think of something that we can easily do without for 40 days. <laughs> and then we call it, what are you giving up? What are you giving up? Huh? So God is saying, just scrap that whole idea. Okay, you're on the wrong road. 
So I'm going to explain to you what I expect out of you. And and then I can honor what you do. I mean, God will call it a real sacrifice if you do it. He said, so you do what you want to do when you fast. He said, you exact your own labors. In other words, you tell what you want to give up instead of doing what I tell you to do. Because God will have you on a program that will really get the job done. If you need to afflict your soul and you need to withdraw from from self-indulgence so that your spiritual awareness is increased, your spiritual uh, fruit comes forth, this is the reason that you afflict your soul is so that your spirit will be strengthened. Amen. Uh, some of the definitions that I found for fast. One, one is to abstain. And that's true. But most of your definitions for fasting uh, uh, have to do with strengthening. Defined as become strong, prevail, support, confirm, grasp, like the word fastener. That's something that locks in and grasps two things together. Take hold. Be established. So the same word for abstinence, the same root word is also translated in these different ways. And so, yeah, if you fast the way God says, you will become strong and you will prevail. You will, you won't, you won't have to, to tell people on Facebook to pray you through cause you're going into consecration. Pray for me cause I'm gonna be consecrating my, you pray for me. Because if you get into a real fast, you'll prevail in such a way that your prayer will help my situation. I'm out here weak in the flesh and I'm gonna pray you through on something that's supposed to be strengthening you. Does that make sense to anybody? Fasting always strengthens your spirit man. Fasting allows a clarity to come into your mind and your spirit that was not there before. It's not just a routine to go through to say you did something. Fasting always allows us a greater ability in God. So that while we are on the fast, you'll notice, I notice the Holy Spirit's presence is greater. I notice I have a clarity in my thoughts. I notice doubt, fear, and tormenting thoughts don't occur. You must notice a difference when you fast or it's not worth it to you. Now you got to get some benefit out of this and you got to understand how that happens. One of the things I learned how to do was to obey Isaiah 58 as a routine and then add abstinence of food to that. So we'll talk about Isaiah 58 and what it says here. And he says, this is, he says, you be, he said, listen to this every time, behold, it's God talking. Behold, you fast for strife and debate. In other words, you go on a fast because brother so-and-so disagrees with your doctrine. 
And you want to go on a fast and see if you can get some information that's going to help you win the argument. That's what the Pharisees and Sadducees did. They would go into into fasting and and so that they could prove they had the superior uh edge spiritually than the other person did. So you're going into it number one with wrong motives. God's not going God says both of y'all go sit down somewhere because your idea is wrong from the beginning. He says, and to to smite with the fist of wickedness. So you want to get even with somebody in your fasting. Just like those uh the uh I think it was Sadducees that wanted to they said they were gonna kill Paul and weren't gonna eat until they did it. So there you you see somebody wanting to get power to do wickedness and not power to do good. And God says that's wrong. He says you shall not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. So he says, Don't do that if you want me to hear you. It's not going to happen. So if you got malice in your heart, you got vengeance in your heart, you got I told you so in your heart, you got I want to show that brother that my way of of walking with God is superior to his. God said that's wrong. So you stop that. He says, is this such a fast that I have chosen a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it not to bow down his head as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? So what God says is, do you think I've really chosen you to do this kind of nonsense in front of me? He says, you're doing, going through all the motions of being holy without being holy. Because your motives are wrong. Your heart's not right in it. And so uh, uh, when God chooses a fast, he doesn't want us to put on some kind of an act and, and make it look like we're doing something unusual, unique, big, important. Oh, I fast and oh, I do this and I do that. He really tells us to fast in secret. So that he can reward us openly. He said when you start showing off what you're doing. You already have your reward. So you get nothing from God. For all the, the meals you pass up. You don't get anything. Because you're telling everybody this is what you're doing. And he says. Is this not the fast that I have chosen? In other words. Isn't this what I want you to do in verse 6 to loose the bands of wickedness to undo the heavy burdens and let the oppressed go free and to break over every yoke. So uh, put a a marker or an underline or highlight in number 6 because this is the purpose for God's chosen fast. When he chooses you to go on a fast this is what he chooses it for. Number 1 it looses bands of wickedness. In other words, it'll set you free from your wrong motives in fasting. When you fast according to God's schedule, let him move you. And and I'll tell you from experience, when I don't feel like eating, I can't eat. It's one of those I can't eat times. Not one of those I'm not hungry times. One of those my mouth is shut and I don't even think about food times. Now, God and I have worked out something where it occurs at least once a week for a half a day. Sometimes it's five days a week for a half a day. Sometimes it's 
you know. And see, this is how I get into trouble because when my mind bounces back to the fact that I haven't had food, it's like, let's make up. You understand what I'm saying? And so you have to be careful with this. Now, there are many people who fast regularly and they put on weight anyway. This isn't an answer to overweight. If, If that's what you're thinking, you're even more wrong on the wrong road. This is not what this is for. And God tells you plainly what it's for. He said it's to it is to loose the bands of wickedness, undo heavy burdens, let the oppressed go free, and break every yoke. Now, who thinks about that when they fast? All we think about is skip the hamburger. All we think about is don't add fries to the order of supersize it. You understand what I'm saying? But God's saying, ah, I don't. I, that's not what I'm talking about. Because anybody can play that game. Anybody can. He says, but I want you to do this first. And he says, is it not to deal your bread to the hungry? Underline verse 7 as well. This is what he wants. He wants us to loose bands of wickedness. Undo heavy burdens. Let the oppressed go free. Break every yoke. Deal your bread to the hungry. Bring the poor that are cast out to your house. When you see the naked, that you cover him and don't hide yourself. Amen. And so he says, and, and, and if you'll do this, now six and seven you can do continually every day. You can work into your normal way of thinking. Ways to bless the poor. Ways to clothe the poor. Ways to clothe people with dignity. Ways to provide for those who are oppressed. Ways to feed the hungry. Ways to do all of these things. When you do that, you are fasting. Let's see, people don't even want to believe that. You know, that's easy to do, really. Why do you think we got so many people out here begging and so many people who can't make ends meet from month to month? Why do you think when we go to that building in Cleveland and pass out bread, everybody in that whole building comes down? They may be too proud sometimes to come while we're there, but we always leave the leftover and it's always taken. God bless, you know, there's a gentleman there who lives in the building that takes responsibility for that after we leave. Because when we're there, we pray and minister to people. And so we ask them to come down and, and if you, you know, come through the line, if you need prayer, we'll pray with you. And we put some people on the side to, for prayer and the rest of them come and distribute bread. Well, sometimes there's bread left over, but I'm telling you by the end of the day, it's all gone. Miss Donna does the same thing in her building. She, she goes door to door and distributes bread to people and she prays for them takes prayer cloths and everything and so she is loosing bands of wickedness as she feeds people you got me and so this is not hard to do if you purpose in your heart that you're going to do it if you make it a routine and you make it a a regular thing that you're going to feed hungry people. You're going to. A lot of times we're around neighbors who are hungry and, and don't even think. 
You know, you know, like we'll have bread, like we bring it up every weekend. Who, who thinks about, well, let me get some of this so I can give it to my neighbor. You know why? You're too proud. You're too proud to do it because you would have to humble yourself and go over there. Well, nobody in my, in my neighborhood needs food. Seriously? Really? You ever checked? You ever checked? Those nice looking people there. Sometimes if, if you're in a, 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 a place like where there are a lot of seniors, sometimes people can't even get to the store to get bread. You don't know until you go knock on the door, make friends with people and ask them. Oh, I got extra bread here. Let me share it with you. You know, you won't have to make another trip to the store. This will save you a trip to the store. You got me? There's a way to entreat people without you hurting your pride, without them getting embarrassed, without any of that. Sometimes your children need it. You ever think of putting it in your freezer? Call them over there one day during the week or drop over and drop it by and say, look, don't go to the store and get bread. I got plenty for you right here. If you don't like something, we got sweets in there too. If you don't like something, don't use it, but I got bread for you. It's not hard, folks. You just got to want to do it. You got to see that this is what God wants. And he He is so, um, this is so important and close to God's heart that he says, when you give to the poor, he said, I owe you. I'm in your debt. Every time you give something to a poor person, I'm in your debt. He said, and I'll definitely repay you. You, you want to be debt free? <laughs> That's one way to get it done. You understand what I'm saying? And see, when we start to understand what this Christian life really is about and what God really honors, we'll purpose in our heart to do more of it. Like I'll take, I'll take, I saw my, uh, Coco's groomer one time. I got her over here a little early and she was eating a, a, a bagel from Panera and, uh, I asked her, I said, you like those Panera bagels? Oh, I love them. I love the cheese ones. I said, don't buy any more. I said, I'll bring you some over. I said, we distribute bread. I said, it's up to me to pass it out and not see it go to waste. And so she said, oh, okay. I said, you know, they freeze real good. You can freeze them. Have So, and she has never Looked embarrassed. She's never looked like I insulted her. She's never, oh, well, don't give that to me. Give it to somebody else. No. And if you ever get that, so what? Give it to the next person. But make up your mind. You're going to obey God in this thing right here. you got to make up your mind about these things and quit making excuses for not doing anything. Huh? See, many times when we need finances, all we can think about is try to find a way to give more money. There are other ways to do it. And sometimes God's looking for us to do more. Not in the same old way, but more in a different way. This will really afflict your soul. Because this will make you, this will force you to go get to know somebody. This will force you out of your comfort zone. You'll start fasting away from your pride. You'll start fasting away from your your sense of dignity. Like you can't put your hands on leftover bread or you can't do this or you can't do that and let your neighbors know you have access to this stuff. Get over yourself and start doing what God wants us to do. Amen. 
So he says, is not this the fast that I have chosen to loose bands of wickedness, undo heavy burdens. Poverty is a heavy burden on people. We can undo that. Lack is a heavy burden on people. We can undo that. And that's what God expects us to do. You start going beyond yourself and seeing what needs are out there. And as, as you are able then you have a remedy for those needs. And he says to let the oppressed go free, whether it's sickness, whether it's lack of finances, lack of decent housing, whatever it is, and that you break every yoke. These are things that you can incorporate into your daily or weekly routine. You can do these consistently for God And have a consistent source of blessing in your life. A consistent fasting in your life. And he says, he said, when you see the naked, that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh. Then shall your light break forth as the morning. In other words, your attempts at at soul winning, ministering, all of that will increase. You're the light of the world. He said, if you afflict your soul that way, you stay humble to me. In other words, stay humble to what I've called you to do. Stay humble to the things I think are important. I remember Dr. Summerall telling us that, that the Lord had, when the Lord told him to get this, this, uh, um, military transport plane and take food, he said, my people are crying out for bread and there's nobody to feed them. See, we have dominion on the earth. You think God can just do a rain uh, bread from heaven and on people? And No, he looks to the church to do those things. He must have a servant here. Otherwise, he's going to have to replace us and move on, get new servants. That's what he does. But he finds somebody to do his will. And so Dr. Summerall said, well, God... Uh, uh, why don't you get, he said, God, I'm, I'm almost 80 years old. Why are you giving me, me this to do? Find a younger man to do this for you. And God said, I did, and they stole the money. Do you understand what I'm saying? So not only is he looking for people, he's looking for trustworthy people. That's why he honors it and values it so highly, because they're not easy to find. We got mega churches, 20,000 people, and when there's a flood in the city, they don't let people come and stay there. You understand what I'm saying? So this is, this is wrong. It's a wrong witness before God. Then you got some ministries that, that are feeding almost all the poor in the world because nobody else does it. You got some that do it haphazardly. They got a few choice ministries, but they don't want to do too much. They don't want to make that their main work. Do you understand what I'm saying? So this is a problem. It's, it's, it's something, it's an issue for God. That's why it's permanently positioned in the Old Testament. So you get it. If you're just an Old Testament believer, you get it. If you believe old and new, you get it too. So uh, it's there for all time for people to see what God's heart is. He says, if you'll do this, you take care of the poor and you stop your crazy shenanigans playing around with your food. He says, your light will bring forth as the morning. Now, we know that's healing. Whenever we see uh, the sun of righteousness arising in your life with healing in his rays. 
and your health will spring forth speedily and your righteousness will go before you. In other words, you will have the way paved for you for everything to work right in your life. Just by giving to the poor. He says your righteousness will spring forth speedily. Which means this. If you offend somebody, you're quick to repent. If somebody offends you, you're quick to forgive. You get a quickness in your heart and your spirit where you're not a grudge holder anymore. Where you used to be. You start dealing with God the way he says deal with him. And you'll find a lot of things get moved around in the right way in your life. Many times we're wondering why something doesn't happen fast enough. Well, this will take the wondering out of your life. Huh? He says your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will follow you. It will be your real reward. So glory coming, glory following. Glory ahead of you, glory behind you. So you'll be one of those who makes his praise glorious. You'll show forth the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. He says, and then you'll call and I'll answer you. In other words, he started out this this chapter with people who were perplexed and saying, God, we fast and you haven't done anything. Why not? He tells them. He said, you're not doing it right. You're not obeying me at what you're doing. He says, then you'll call and the Lord will answer. You'll cry and he will say, here am I. I mean, right away. If you take away from the midst of you the yoke. In other words, quit messing with people. And putting forth the finger. Quit looking at other people's shortcomings and sins. Put that away. He says, and speaking vanity. In other words, just running your mouth about nothing. Let, let your, God's words be in your mouth. Quit lying to one another. Quit saying what you're going to do for God and, and never do it. He says, and if you draw out your soul to the hungry, it's, here it is again. And satisfy the afflicted soul. Send comfort to somebody. Send an encouraging word to somebody. Quit trying to figure out what you're going to do the next time you get a day off. Let God decide what you're going to do with your your free time. Start going somewhere that's going to help somebody. You know, you'll be healthy. Your your time will be well spent. But you got to do first things first because trust me, if you're not willing to do this now, you'll never be willing. Everybody always says, well, I'll get around to giving something to the poor or going to see how somebody's doing uh, when I get my next. You never get it. You can put that first. You're going to see this as a priority. He says, and if you quit pointing the finger, that's the worst thing in the world you see done now. There's so so much accusation in the atmosphere. Everybody's calling everybody a liar, uh, a traitor. Uh, you no, know, I mean just accusation just flies continually, and it's so easy to pick it up and incorporate it into your thinking, into your speaking, and into your believing. 
So you got to fast away from the world. You got to fast away from the evil report. You got you got to keep yourself locked up away with God enough not to pick up what's in the general atmosphere. Because all these people out here think they're better than the next person. That's why they think they can accuse them. See, that used to be what they thought about us. Church always, oh, you think you're better than somebody and you, you can't send me to hell. You can't judge me. Well, now everybody's doing it. See? Satan, sinner alike. So he says here, if you draw out your soul, verse 10, to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall your light rise in obscurity and your darkness be as the noonday. And the Lord shall guide you continually. No stopping. No no sitting down and wondering why this hasn't happened for you yet. He'll guide you continually. He'll satisfy your soul in drought. In other words, when there's lack everywhere, you won't feel it. He said he'll make fat your bones and you shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. In other words, you will be flourishing. You will be prosperous. You will have everything you need. But it won't happen if you want you to be taken care of first. If you want yours first, you're not going to get it. Amen. You got to let God's will be done first. And they that shall be of you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. And you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. All of that just by putting your your own self on the back burner. You sit back there long enough, you'll find out God does take care of you. You don't have to go through life trying to make your own way all the time. He says, if you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord honorable, and honor him, not doing your own ways, you're finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words, do you get the message now? You, 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 your own, your own, your own, what you want, you want, you want. See, the Sabbath is not so much rest, but it's rest from yourself. Huh? And rest with God. He said, if you quit doing this crazy stuff you do, you got six days where you can work. Leave one day for me and for you to spend time together. That's why man was created on day six. And not day one. He was created on day six. And God placed him in things that were already prepared for him. Because he didn't want man to get the impression that he was creating anything. You know, all these people who write on the creative power of the tongue. Your tongue don't create nothing. 
See, it's in us to want to have God's power. All of it. It's not enough for us to have delegated power. We want it all. Your words don't create anything. Your word affirms what's already created by God. All your words do is say yes and amen. You see how little response I'm getting for that? Because most people think it's true. Because we've heard it so much. Your words don't create anything. If God didn't have it already out there in glory, you couldn't get it. You couldn't get it. You couldn't say let there be and there comes from inside of you. If it's inside of you, it's because God already put it there. You don't create it. You know what a creator is? It's somebody that starts from nothing and has the ability to make it happen out of nothing. Faith is the substance of something that's already there. It's just not visible to you. It's out in glory. But it's already there or you couldn't believe it wouldn't be real to you if it wasn't already created. All you're doing is affirming. I tell you one thing, if we could create, we'd have so much stuff, it'd be pathetic. Huh? And we didn't, that's why we have to, that's why we're so frustrated waiting on God all the time. If you're so busy, little creator, go create. But you still gotta see if God will let it come into your life. Still gotta wait on Him to move it into your house, your garage, your bank account, whatever. So you negate your own words by saying your your creative power of the words they didn't create anything. We have one creator, that's God. He created everything already and told you you could have it. So you gotta go through him to get it. But you don't you don't go to him in in a creative fashion. You affirm what he's told you is yours. That's all. Your your confession only affirms what already is given to you. And most of us are confessing and don't even believe it's already given. He says, they that shall be of you, verse 12, will build the old waste places. Well, this is interesting. So there's restoration in the fast that God has chosen. See after a while you don't even think about this as a fast. You think about this as a Christian way of life. You know. But God sees it as a sacrifice when we do these things for the poor. When we put aside ourselves and we go out and do the thing that he tells us to do first. Verse 14. Then shall you delight yourself in the Lord. You know that scripture we like to quote, delight thyself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. How do you delight yourself in the Lord? Uh, by fasting and the fast that God has chosen. The most important thing I think for, for people personally is putting away striving, pointing the finger, the animosity that we have in our hearts sometimes, fault finding, Wanting to always look at the other guy with a critical eye instead of ourselves. That kind of thing. That shows evil and wickedness of the heart. 
It, it doesn't show that you, you just see wrong things and you have to report them or you notice them. It means you have a desire to see that other person as less than yourself. You can't do that. It's not pleasing to God. He says, and, and you'll delight yourself in the Lord. He says, I'll cause you to ride on the high places in your life. He said, in other words, nothing, everything will be under your feet. Anybody who challenges you, you'll subdue them. Anybody who, who finds ill in you, you will prove them to be wrong. All you gotta do is put me first. Honor me. This, when he talks about the Sabbath, that means put God first. Seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness and everything else is added to you. He says, if you'll do these things, you'll live as a righteous person and nothing you, you desire will be withheld from you. Nothing. He wants oppressed people to have freedom. He wants, and not by coming in here illegally. He's not talking about that. He's talking about his people making provision for those who don't know him. Oppression really is a form of lack of knowledge of God. And he wants us to be the ones that, that let, let, that, uh, that get to know him. We share Christ with people. He says, Verse 14, then you will delight yourself in the Lord. He said, if you'll do these things, you'll delight yourself in the Lord. And he says, you'll be, start to be a repairer, a restorer. I'll show, I'll, I'll give you victory in everything that comes against you. Nothing will ever defeat you. You'll be my person in the earth. You can fast to be healed. Go out and give something to somebody that doesn't have anything. See if your healing won't come forth. Learn how to be a burden bearer, not a burden causer. You don't want to cause affliction, harm, and hurt the people. You want to be the one to relieve it. Now the blessing in this, if we feed the hungry, you will be a light to them. Your light will spring forth. The Lord will continually be your light. In other words, your righteousness will shine forth. There will be a continual blessing come to you. You know, if we understood the importance of righteousness and the fruit that comes with it and the blessing that comes with it, we'd be more diligent about things. You understand what I'm saying? We really would. Because the Bible says against righteousness there is no law. Which means that when you start believing God for something and time goes by and you don't have it, you don't get the thoughts like, what did I do wrong? With righteousness, there's no law against it. So your mind doesn't go there. What righteousness will do, though, is it will cause you to understand how to keep righteousness close to you. So a righteous thought, say for instance you think about, well I haven't, I haven't gotten this from God yet or that from God yet. And then you say, well Lord I thank you for it because I know it's coming. That's righteousness. See, that's righteousness. It's not, well what did I need to do? What did I, and go on like that and harangue yourself for weeks. 
trying to figure out <laughs> and just say God forgive me if I have stepped off again I've gotten the flesh I've gotten in fear I've gotten in doubt please forgive me now thank you that my answer is coming thank you it's coming Lord see this is how you manage yourself this is how you stay in righteousness. This is how the the fruits of your righteousness increase in your life. Most of us don't need more of anything but to increase the fruits of our righteousness so we can be assured continually that we have everything already. He says you will be a builder and not a destroyer. He wants us to honor him. Stop doing our own will. Now we live in a Sabbath all the time. This is our season of Jubilee. He's not talking about Sunday as a day. But you only live in that if you honor God. If you put him first in everything. So the reason we're breaking the Sabbath under the new covenant is because we keep going after what we want first. All the time. Let me see how I can get this. Let me see. I got to get this. I got to get that. Instead of having that conversation, as they say, about what can I do for the poor? God, show me somebody that I can bless. Show me how I can let the oppressed go free. Show me somebody who needs you. Show me, show me, show me. If he doesn't show you, then what do you do? Then you skip a meal. God, I really want to know how to do this. So I'm afflicting my soul, but I want to get into the place where. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's a door that will open up to you to let you know how to obey this scripture. Because I'm sure most people just let it go by because they don't think about poor people ever. I just don't want to be one. You know what I'm saying? But Jesus said, the poor you will have with you always. Why? Because they're a test of our Christianity. They become a challenge to our righteousness and what we hold dear and what's important to us. Now, we like to ignore people because we're scared we'll get like that. You can't be an overcomer and afraid of something at the same time. Amen? You got to know, hey God, if if my cupboard's bare, I know you're going to provide for me some way, you know, and and have fruit in your life to back it up, you know, have deeds that you know you've done, that you got in the bank, so that you know you can withdraw when you need to. And I'm not talking about material things; I'm talking about heavenly things. I'm talking about having a fat heavenly bank account before God. So we must learn to put God first. God will deliver us on all things. He will deliver you out of every dark problem if you will do these few things. Number one, you put God first. Keep his Sabbath holy. That's what that means for the New Testament believer. When he says keep holy my Sabbath, that means put me first. You rest from what you do continually to please yourself and put me first that's a sabbath that's what he's talking about the jubilee that we live in the sabbath life that we live is a life of putting god first 
You can't rest from your own labors if if you're constantly worried about what's going to happen to you. But if you put God first, your worries are over. And he tells you that here. Not a devil will bug you about it. You mean you can't even uh, ask God for this? That No, a devil, you know why? Because it's coming anyway. See, he said, you call upon me. And before I call, he'll answer me anyway, devil. You can't take that away from me. You can't make me not put God first. Number two is live holy. Put away the putting of the finger, accusing, oppressing, slapping poor people around. You know, sometimes you look at people on the street and instead of compassion, you have contempt for them. Or you're scared to drive down a street that looks like it's a rough neighborhood. Maybe you need to drive down there sometimes and renew your compassion for the poor. Amen. That's why them freeways were built, folks, so you didn't have to go through the neighborhoods anymore. People go back sometimes, oh, I didn't know it was this bad. Yeah, because you don't ever come here anymore. You don't have to go that way. Don't oppress people. Don't ignore the needs of the less fortunate. Quit ignoring the needs of the less fortunate. Stop accusing and fault finding. It's not what you don't eat that makes you pleasing to God, but what you refuse to let defile your heart. If you let selfishness continually in your heart, you'll be defiling. You live a life of defilement. It's always about you. Now, what did Jesus teach about fasting? Well, he started out his ministry by fasting 40 days in the wilderness. So he knew it was important to make a connection with God the Father. So for spiritual reasons, man, and in the wilderness means that he was away from the normal Every day availability of food. And so he was able to, at the father's instruction, to take that 40 days and spend with him. And when he returned, there was evidence that the fast worked. Because he returned in the power of the Holy Spirit. So fasting, number one, empowers your spirit. It is true and it will do it. And that's why we fast before we pray. I remember we made it mandatory before empowerment meeting. Remember, that's why we fix a little breakfast when we come in. Because supposedly nobody stopped at McDonald's and everybody's been fasting. When I found out the bus was stopping, the bus from Cleveland was stopping and people were getting off buying meals, I said, well, I'm stupid. Why am I here feeding people? Y'all ate already. I said, get back on that bus and quit doing this. We got a meeting to get started. Is nothing, is everything a vacation to you? You know, we're, we're all struggling to get out of there before the, they lock us out and get the meeting finished on time. We've been waiting on people sitting there trying to wait. <laughs> 
pizza, burgers, anything early in the morning. This can't wait. So there is a time to abstain from food and to afflict your soul. But I would say it's an add to on top of already righteous living and on top of already uh, pleasing God, calling God a delight, honoring him, putting God first, all of that stuff. It's 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 on top of that you skip a meal. Or you eat light. Or you, you don't have one meal a week. And put, put yourself in your word while you're fasting so you can fill up on spiritual food. That's how you do that. When Jesus did it, it was mandatory because his ministry was about to start. I don't know many ministers who will say, I'm going to start fasting so that God can show me my ministry. They go out and get cards made. Apostle this, prophet that, prophetess that, bishop this, prelate, whatever you want to call yourself and go get a collar and put it on. I mean, so many crazy things that people do instead of getting close to God so you can find out what it is that you're supposed to do. I remember fasting much when we first started the ministry. And, and God gave me prayers and, and we wrote the prayer manual in less than a month. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes you just feel led to do these things and you obey God and you see the results that come out of it. Uh, it's amazing to me how people, you know, pervert truth and, and just get it twisted. Talk too much to other people instead of talking to God. You get a lot of fake understandings of things. Just running your mouth with the saints, man. They'll mess your head up something terrible. Jesus sought the Father by withdrawing himself. You know, food can be a distraction from your attention to God. You stay attentive to God when you fast. And he returned in power of the Spirit. Jesus also said, when they questioned him about why his disciples didn't fast, and the disciples of John fasted. And at this time, John the Baptist had been beheaded, I think. And he said, but anyway, he said, can the the bridegroom fast? Well, can the bride fast when the bridegroom's here? They were talking food and he was talking sex and they didn't even get it. You know something folks, this stuff should, should be something that we can grasp easily. This, these things, you know, when Jesus was alive, it was mandatory they spend time with him because he wasn't going to be there forever. And he told them this. He says, why would they be away from me and absent from me and off afflicting their their bodies and all this? Why distract yourself with tradition when you get to spend time with me? So 
God wants us folks to be holy people, but there are ways to go about it that if you do this right, you'll get all your prayers answered. You'll walk in your health. You won't be struggling with how much do I confess the word? How much do I listen to tapes? How much do I read the Bible? If I want to get my healing, this takes all the puzzle out of it. You know, you can look in here and see things that you can add to what you do that are going to help your life. I mean, this is why we come together, isn't it? What can I do to enhance the fruits of my righteousness? What can I do to live a life more pleasing to God? What can I do to to make God more my delight? See, this isn't an emotional life. This is a discipline. This is something you discipline yourself to do, and you make sure you do it. You make sure you get it done. I quit striving with people over things. You know, you tell people, well, well, we need your help to do this, and we... I couldn't make it today. I could, I quit striving with people over that. You know what? I said, God, you know what? You're going to take care of this. I said, and you can scream from the housetops to people that they're going to miss a blessing if they don't, if they're not faithful, they could care less. Because they're not looking to be blessed. They're looking to indulge themselves. They're looking to have their way. They haven't really denied themselves. They haven't taken the first step in following the Lord. They're just here. Some people are just here, folks. And we got to let them be just here and believe one day they'll catch on. One day it'll dawn on them. You know what? I'm not here to be important. I'm here to deny myself. I'm here to learn how to live a life of denying myself so that Jesus can rise up big in me. Sometimes our wanting a soul win is all about self. You know what I'm saying? You just want to, oh, let me go out here and, and get some souls won and do some this. And it, you can, if you're not careful, self can creep into anything and dominate and try to take over. You know, some denominations and Baptist people go out. How many you get? How many you get? They count them up, keep counting the book and all this. Come on, folks. So we have to be very careful. That we're not here for us. If you don't believe that, you're not here for you. You're Jesus' bond slave. And it's a good thing. If you don't believe that God will take care of you, if you obey him, you just need to start over again in understanding the things of God. He will take care of you. Man, he will take care of you. He always will. So Jesus believed that there are certain times to fast and certain times not. Amen. He says if you, if the bridegroom withdraws himself from you, then you fast because you got to get him back into his presence. Amen. And so Jesus has been removed from physical, physically being on the earth. He lives in us, but we have to draw near to him. If your food is a distraction, and many times it is, sometimes you just have to say, God, I really need you 
to answer and need you to move. Please grab my attention. And sometimes it's not even a struggle. You just don't eat. And then God starts to pour into you. And he starts to reveal things to you. He starts to, I remember God broke me of, of, you know, some, some kind of do it yourself operations in as far as hearing from him is concerned. And, uh, I remember I was, I wanted to see more healings and healing ministry. And I, if, if I would fast, I would just do bread and water. You know, cause certain things will stir up your appetite and you're in more trouble for not trying to take them than not. And I told the Lord, I said, well, Lord, I'm going to fast, uh, bread and water for three days and I'm asking you to, uh, increase the anointing, miracle anointing as well. Cause I kept telling people, announcing to people, God wants us to believe him for miracles and they look, oh, you're talking to us? You know, they look, huh? A miracle, huh? And so I knew that we needed to believe God more. And that, you know, when you're a minister, you always think you're the problem or you're the answer. You know what I'm saying? That kind of thing. But anyway, I just felt like I needed to do it. And I remember the first day of the fast and I was pouring oil. I was measuring out some oil into uh, a container. I poured a, like, I looked at the line, it was a measuring cup, and I poured and it was that much, and I looked in the bottle and the oil level went back up again. And that oil filled back up from what I had poured out of it. First day of the fast. And the Lord told me, He said, I've granted what you asked. So, now do I do the three days or He'll take it back or, you understand what I'm saying? You can get yourself into a Pharisee fit trying to make God do something that he's already granted to us. We just need to have it confirmed and reassured in us. And so that taught me something. Don't sweat it. Don't fake it. Don't put on an act for God and pretend like you're in self-denial and you're really in manipulation. You know, let God determine time, season, amount of time, when, where. Let him determine the conditions. Let he de- let him determine the need. Sometimes you'll fast and you think you're going to get it and it doesn't happen. Well, God didn't call you to do that that way. That's a heartbreaker. Because usually fasting is everybody's go-to, your emergency valve to get everything you need. <laughs> and some people don't even think about fasting. They, you know, it's not a big deal to them at all. So they don't even think it helps. It does help. If it's done properly, it helps a great deal. So I'm going to read you a little bit. I had some notes about fasting. I thought they were pretty interesting. I'll read them to you. Take a few notes, folks. Don't just sit there and and pretend like you're listening. Just write some things down, and and uh, you know you can you can get something out of it. So this is abstinence as a form of fasting. Amen. He says here abstinence as a form of ascetism 
reaches back into remote antiquity. Uh, ascetics were people who withdrew as a society from God. They, they lived a life of great self-denial. Um, they didn't live around people. They lived in communes or communities and they just they found that that was the way to stay close to God. You find it in the Catholic Church, the early Catholic Church where monks would separate themselves from society, all of that, different orders of, of, John the Baptist was an Essene and that was a form of ascetism. He lived in the wilderness, ate locusts and wild honey. You understand what I'm saying? He's off the grid. It says it's found among most ancient peoples. It may be defined as a self-discipline which consists in the habitual renunciation in whole or in part of the enjoyments of the flesh with a view to the cultivation of the life of the spirit. So you're denying your flesh so your spirit will get bigger. And that's what happens to us when we fast. In its most extreme forms, it bids men to stifle and suppress their physical wants rather than to subordinate them in the interest of a higher end or purpose. So you can see it can be taken to the extreme. The underlying idea being that the body is the foe of the spirit and that the progressive extirpation of the natural desires and inclinations by means of fasting, celibacy, voluntary poverty, etc. is a way of perfection. So this is not what we do. These people who are extremes feel that they get more perfect if they deny. It's like the health food people. It's like yoga people. It's like all of these new age religion type people. You ever notice when they go vegetarian, they get snooty? You never see a humble vegan. They always want to tell you how to live and have this little superior thing on them. So, so this is, this is dealing with abstinence from food as dealt with in the Bible. Alright, so, public fast. So there's some public fast mentioned in the Bible. One such fast is spoken of as having been instituted and commanded by the law of Moses. That, and that is the day of atonement. So that is the Bible pronounced day of public fasting, which means everybody has to do it. This is called the fast in Acts 27.9. Okay, so it says four annual fasts were later observed by the Jews in commemoration of the dark days of Jerusalem. The day of the beginning of Nebuchadnezzar's siege in the 10th month the day of the capture of the city in the fourth month, the day of its destruction in the fifth month, and the day of Gedaliah's murder in the seventh month, these are all referred to in Zechariah 8.19. So there were four more fasts added as memorials to bad occurrences. It might reasonably be thought that such solemn anniversaries which instituted would have been kept up with sincerity by the Jews at least for many years. But Isaiah illustrates how soon even the most outraged feelings of piety or patriotism may grow cold and formal. He says, wherefore have we fasted and you see not? So we just read that in Isaiah 58. 
And he says the exiled Jews cry in their captivity. We have humbled our souls and have taken no, and you have taken no notice. Yahweh's swift answer always follows. He says because your fasting is a mere form. Behold, in the day of your fast, you find your own pleasure and oppress all your laborers. Um, That is to say, so formal has your fasting grown that your ordinary selfish, cruel life goes on just the same. Then Yahweh makes this inquest. Is Is this such a fast that I have chosen? The day for a man to afflict his soul, is it not? Is not this the fast that I have chosen to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the bands of the yoke and to let the oppressed go free, that you break every yoke? And you will find that in fasting. If you deal your bread to the poor and keep God holy, put him first and you skip a meal, anything that's holding you down to to, um, to illness, poverty, all of that breaks automatically. It breaks forth speedily. He says, is this not the fast that I've chosen to loose bonds of wickedness, undo bands of the yoke, let the oppressed go free that you break every yoke? Is it not to deal your bread to the hungry and that you bring the poor that that are, are cast out to your home? Then you shall call and God will answer. You'll cry and he will say, here am I. The passage, as George Adam Smith says, feels the earliest, if not the highest place in the glorious succession of scriptures, exalting practical love to which Isaiah, um, Matthew and first Corinthians uh, refer. The high import is that in God's view, character grows rich and life joyful, not by fast or formal observances, but by acts of unselfish service inspired by a heart of love. These fasts later fell into utter disuse, but they were revived after the destruction of Jerusalem by the Romans. Occasional public fasts were proclaimed in Israel, as among other people, in seasons of drought or public calamity. So if there's trouble in the land and God's not responding, you can call a fast. It appears, according to Jewish accounts, that it was customary to hold them on the second and fifth days of the week for the reason that Moses was believed to have gone up to Mount Sinai on the fifth day of the week, that's Thursday, and to have come down on the second, that's Monday. Private fast. In addition to these public solemnities, individuals were in the habit of imposing extra fasts upon themselves, And there were some among the Pharisees who fasted on the second and fifth days of the week all year round. Tacitus alludes to the frequent fasts of the Jews. Josephus tells of the spread of fasting among the Gentiles. There is abundant evidence that many religious teachers laid down rules concerning fasting for their disciples. Individuals and sects differ greatly in the degrees of strictness with which they observe fasts. In some fasts among the Jews, abstinence from food and drink was observed simply from sunrise to sunset, and washing and anointing were permitted. In others of a stricter sort, the fast lasted from one sunset till the stars appeared after the next, and not only food and drink, but washing, anointing, and every kind of agreeable activity, even salutations, were prohibited. 
Such fasting was generally practiced in the most austere and ostentatious manner, and among the Pharisees formed a part of their most pretentious externalism. On this point, the testimony of Matthew 6.16 is confirmed. Abstinence among different kinds of ascetics. Now, there are some different groups of people that did fasting, but as as you can see, the more people got a hold of the idea, the more extreme and non-beneficial it became. So we don't want to be those people. We don't want to be extreme and non-beneficial. We want to understand what we do when we fast. But I'm telling you, the fast that God's chosen puts him first. That's number one. You've got to put him first. And I mean first, period. Not first and you second and somebody else third. You don't, you don't form the order of things. You don't decide the lineup. When you put God first, he decides everything that comes after. You don't make any of the decisions. You just let him have it and let him understand that you are relinquishing. That's the fast that he's chosen and you agree with it. God, I put you first. I don't put anybody above you. I don't want anything unless you tell me I want it. (laughs) You know, I mean, that's contrary to our faith teaching. We're told, you know, you got a blank check with God. Well, theoretically, that's true. But if your name ain't on that, that, you know, that receipt, you don't get it. You can't just tell God you want anything and he'll give it to you. You have to learn his system first. Seek him first, his kingdom. His righteousness and let him add things to you. But I'm telling you, if you understand how to do this right, your righteousness, you will never have a problem getting anything you need in life because your righteousness will spring forth speedily. Amen. All right. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for understanding. Thank you, Lord, for giving us understanding of everything that you're doing in life. And we thank you, Lord, that, that we, we know now how to please you in our fasting. What is important to you? There are poor people down here, Father, that don't need you, don't know you, that don't have an understanding of who you are, don't know how to contact you, any of that. And that's our job, Lord. You put us here for that purpose. So we undertake that for you. We undertake to feed the poor. Let oppressed people go free. We thank you for it, Lord, and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. If anybody needs prayer, come on up.